Hello, dearest listeners, and welcome to the Longevity and Lifestyle podcast, where I invite pioneers and thought leaders in their respective fields to give us the strategies, tools, and practices to live better and help reach our human potential. My guest today is Dr. Mohammed Enayat. Dr. E, as he's also known, is a trained physician, founder, and health futurist at the intersection of human performance, longevity, and personalized healthcare. Dr. E founded Human Wellness Clinic, which brings together biohacking with applied longevity science and a real-time physiology approach to engineer vitality, longevity, and early disease resolution. During his 10 years of medical training, including in microplastic and orthopedic surgery, Dr. Enayat recognized the lack of emphasis on longevity and performance in the healthcare system. This led him on his journey of adopting innovations and curating cutting-edge menus into medical wellness that help clients regenerate their body and feel their best. In this episode, we discuss biohacking, the future of personalized medicine, why the current healthcare system is broken, how to navigate through all the mixed messages and misconceptions in an unregulated wellness world, and much more. Before we begin, please subscribe to the podcast to get your weekly dose of longevity inspiration and leave a comment to let me know what you think. I would love to hear from you. Please enjoy. Welcome to the Longevity and Lifestyle podcast, Dr. E. It's a pleasure to have you on today. Hi, Claudia. How Hi. Are you? Thank you. Great to have you on. Great to be so, on. Thank you so much. I believe we share a view and excitement about a fundamental shift occurring in healthcare versus disease care and getting to the root cause and solving for issues before they become debilitating diseases to enable us to live better and reach our true potential. Why, in your view, is this shift occurring and how do you think it could be used to redefine primary care? Why is the shift occurring is because the need has evolved. Mm -hmm. humans were plagued by diseases acute initially acute conditions and so science developed we innovate as humans were remarkably intelligent and we developed structures to to drive innovation really and we innovated in understanding more about the human body and what drives mm -hmm. those acute conditions whether it's heart attacks strokes etc etc we reached a point where we could manage those conditions and we've reached a point where we can manage and extend life through managing some stability of those conditions to a certain mm -hmm. degree. However, science has continued to progress and the understanding of the human body has become more granular. Mm -hmm. We now understand more about the cellular processes that go on and the interconnected nature of our biology, which has meant that we can now look at health slightly differently. Mm -hmm. And it means that we can push for a revolution mm -hmm. or evolution of the global understanding of health, starting at the very definition of the word. And, you know, we know it's, Traditionally, it's defined in the Oxford Concise Dictionary as the absence of disease. However, we believe and we share this amongst, you know, our cohort of passionate and self-experimented, you know, but also, and this is why we're passionate, because we feel the difference ourselves, 
that health can be redefined away from this proxy to disease status mm-hmm. to a state of vitality. Yeah. 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 And and so this is what unites us. This is what emboldens us. This is what empowers us. This is what gives us our raison d'être, our belief that we need to spread this more and more amongst lots of people. We need to help people understand that this definition of health and the associated systems that deliver this nirvana of definition need to be outdated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? And not saying we need to replace traditional medicine. We need to augment traditional medicine. We need to evolve traditional medicine so that alongside traditional medicine, we can deliver healthcare around a state of vitality because better health, better consciousness of your state mm-hmm. engineers more conscious humans. More conscious humans, like ripples turn into waves, develops conscious communities, which can develop you know, conscious societies. And this is ultimately what, when I speak to anyone that's in this space, I really enjoy it because we are all united by these, this belief that reflected on our own personal journeys, which is the most, you know, this is why we're all so passionate. And Profound, right? Yeah, when it's reflected on your own journey and what you've been through and how you've utilized science, the innovations in science to evolve yourself. Mm-hmm. And to overcome the challenges of life, then you want to share that. And when you've shared that and you've seen other people transform, you want to share that even more. And you've seen how they individually transform, but they can become these beacons of knowledge and empowerment for their children, their families, their friends. And, and inspire, yeah, the ripple effect, right? Ripple turns to waves. It really can do. Yeah. And, you know, we hope to kind of just inspire with some, sometimes just little tips and tweaks that people can do to just Mm -hmm. notice a little bit of a shift of state that will encourage them to want to learn more. Or at the other end, we can give them a transformative experience in 90 minutes where it's like a lightning shock to the system (laughs) that, wow, I didn't realize I could feel like that. And so, yeah, that's a little bit about, yeah, to start answer a question. And people listening might notice that I go off on a bit of a tangent. So, Claudia, you have to, you have to reel me back in. I do too. Again. I do too. So, yeah, no, but I agree with you. And it's such an exciting space. And there's so many exciting topics that we're going to dig into now shortly. So looking forward to that. But maybe before we do that, we can take a step back and talk a bit about your background and training because you come from a traditional medicine perspective. Do you remember the moment you decided why you wanted to become a doctor and what was your earliest memory in healthcare that influenced the way that you see the healthcare world now? So my earliest memory of why I wanted, I actually wanted to be an astronaut when I was a child. I I really did. I wanted to. You and Elon Musk. (laughs) Yeah, it's still a dream to go to space. Well, me too. I'm going to go with my five-year-old. We've made a pact. So yeah. yeah. Wow. (laughs) Fantastic. Maybe I'll join you. Um, (laughs) Well, Richard uh, Branson's heard it this week or last exactly, week, and it's possible, exactly right? right. Yeah, of yeah. course. And so, I actually, wanted to be an astronaut. And I remember as a child coming across a fact. Maybe I was like in pre ten, eight, nine. I can't remember how old I was. Where you had to have twenty twenty vision. I was told you had to have twenty twenty vision to be yeah, an astronaut. I heard that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you've heard, and then that just killed my dreams at, at that point. I was just like, I remember going for an eye test and uh, <laughs> not having twenty twenty vision, and uh, and then just like kill my dreams but no I think 
I've always been fascinated in science. And I actually went to school in the city of London, in the square mile of the city. If people don't know London, then the city of London is like the square mile of the city, we call it. Where like all Wall of the fi- yeah. yeah, like Wall Street, mm-hmm. where all the financial institutes. I was going from 11 years old, taking the tube, you know, getting into the square miles, being surrounded by financial services, businesses. And we're kind of groomed at that school to go and work in the city. And the two options were going to work in finance or following a passion for science. My parents were really keen for me. My mum particularly was very keen for me to become a doctor. Mm-hmm. My dad was a bit more, you know, he was like, you know, finance or be a doctor. And he said something that at the time when I was choosing, because you have to choose your A-levels to, which dictate where you're going to go. He said something to me which stuck me at that time, which was, you can choose a career where with your money you can do good or you can choose a career just by doing your work. You're, you're getting blessings from people without even trying and it's those blessings that will carry you forwards to a happier life. And it was just that that made me say, okay, yeah, okay, look, I'll, maybe I should be a doctor. Wow, those are yeah. wise words from your dad. Well done. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's quite a philosopher. He's a Inspiration. Right? Yeah. Yeah, and so, yeah, then I went to study medicine at King's College and Imperial College in London. And actually, my first lens into an alternative or a progressive approach to health was 2007. I did a health management degree at Imperial, and a topic of the thesis was how to drive innovation into the health system. And the focus was the stem cell industry. At that mm-hmm. time, it was probably one of the most emerging, novel, interesting spaces within medicine mm-hmm. for a while and showed so much potential the way it was described, you know, this pluripotent potential mm-hmm. of regeneration and self-healing. And when I went to go work in San Diego for a while in the stem cell facility, I, I just became absolutely immersed in the idea, the concept of this self-regenerative potential of the human body. And we're mm-hmm. kind of academically taught the principles of it, very superficially, like, yeah. yeah, very superficially at medical school in the first one, two years mm-hmm. of medical school, which, which is the academic time. Mm-hmm. But then we're not applying that lens to treating people, mm-hmm. to appreciating the human body. Mm-hmm. That makes sense, right? Yep. And so for me, it's seeing that and understanding the regenerative capacity of the body and taking that lens that we're actually a balance between generation, regeneration and degeneration. Mm-hmm. And when we're a child and baby where generation is stronger than degeneration and we come to a fulcrum in our 20s probably, and mm-hmm. then late 20s. And then that starts to, that shift starts, the imbalance starts to go the other way. Unless you biohack yourself, yeah. <laughs> yeah, unless you biohack yourself. And so, yes, that was my first opening as a mm-hmm. lens and a perspective. Mm-hmm. And I think combined with that, the appreciation that there is a massive adoption lag between mm-hmm. science and medicine. Mm-hmm. So medicine is the application of science Mm-hmm. through systems and protocols in a learning-based environment on humans, mm-hmm. obviously. And there was, at that time, there was a known seven-year adoption lag between an innovation wow. in science to when it actually reaches a patient. And that's probably why that? widened. It's probably why widened. That? Because of like FDA approvals and things like that? Or why? Funding, mm-hmm. trials, and then education as well. So by the time mm-hmm. it's approved, you then have to educate doctors on how to utilize that test, that yeah. therapy that mm-hmm. intervention and you have to build it into a system mm-hmm. so actually i think it's now become much bigger in seven years just looking at it i feel like around disease it's seven years 
But mm-hmm. around prevention, mm-hmm. it's probably closer to 30 years, 20 years. Yeah, because it's yeah, a mentality. And I think the conversation I had with someone, you know, based on the West Coast US, it's very much medical schools financed by pharmaceutical industry. So very much a certain way of thinking, right? And preventative medicine would really require from the medical schools a fundamental shift in actually thinking about how medicine is taught, I would think, right? So it's a much longer process. Yes, the education piece is absolutely critical. And and going even back to how we start at the very definition, you know, how we define health. If we define yeah. health as absence of disease, okay, let's define disease. Disease is a cluster of these symptoms and pattern recognition. You train doctors and students around, and not just doctors, the whole healthcare, allied mm-hmm. healthcare, nurses, physios, etc., around these clusters of symptoms that have mm-hmm. diagnosis codes, right? Yeah. And then off that, this is how you test, this is how you mm-hmm. manage. And mm-hmm. then the kind of algorithms of care according to the, those patterns. Mm-hmm. If we start redefine health and say actually state of vitality, what takes us away from slight vitality? Oh, a bit of brain fog. I'm not sleeping as well. I'm not waking up energized. You know, these are the new symptomatology that we need to create mm-hmm. to then create new diagnosis codes. Yeah. You know, let's just say detoxification issues or yeah. methylation etc etc we test for them then we can manage them right Mm -hmm. and so yes we have patterns of care based around that we can then develop a new system of delivering healthcare that is an adjunct to the disease-based system Mm -hmm. that teaches doctors how to deliver personalized preventative medicine that has reduced down the seven year and probably longer adoption and this helps you conceptualize it very easily Look how long it takes us. We go from, you know, we grew up at a time when it started being fat-free. Yeah? yeah. And then it went to <laughs> sugar-free, right? Yeah. yeah. And it's only now we realize that actually we need healthy fats as a society. Yeah. Right? No. We're educating that. But how long have we, in those 20 years, been driving people towards having cell membranes without healthy fats in? And yeah. then we wonder why they get vascular dementias and yeah. strokes but- and... Obesity, type 2 diabetes. Yeah, that's yeah, the sugar, from the sugar but Yeah, yeah right. exactly. And now we understand sugar free is really uh, where we need to be. So mm-hmm. when we look at preventative health, long term health, mm-hmm. and sometimes it falls under public health, you know, this health prevention falls under public health. But public mm-hmm. health also look after things like COVID and management of the public from a safety perspective, which is absolutely critical reducing the spread of disease, et cetera. But they also look after prevention. The adoption of science from a preventive model is based around a retrospective analysis over 30 years mm-hmm. where you have many confounding factors mm-hmm. and you can't isolate them. And so it becomes very bland, generic advice. Okay, eat more fruit and veg, exercise more, and don't stress yeah and don't smoke that is lifestyle medicine mm-hmm. as it's taught in medical school <laughs> right and i'm sure it has a following of about a thousand percent by everyone uh, <laughs> who hears it they're like yep i've heard that before yeah no it, it needs to be much more personalized and i'd love to touch on that in a moment and can you talk a little bit about your journey from traditional medicine to becoming recognized as the uk's number one doctor of biohacking I don't know who recognized me, but, but <laughs> yes, 
Yeah, I mean, I think there's not many physicians in the UK that are in the space, but also in the space, integrating therapies with this deep type medicine. I started my career wanting to be a surgeon. I started course surgical training. I did some placements abroad in trauma and orthopedic surgery. And a lot of my junior doctor training in the central London and other teaching hospitals were based around surgical rotations. I soon realized that I didn't want to become super specialized. I'm more mm -hmm. of a generalist, a polymath. And having done a health management degree and become really interested in how to drive adoption of innovation into the system, I did a further kind of fellowship in health management called a DASI fellowship, mm -hmm. which essentially gave me some time and space to go work within the design and development of the health system, mm -hmm. from a public health system, the NHS, the commissioners, the academic health science networks that spread knowledge and drive innovation into practice. During that time, I worked on some really interesting projects. We're connecting up Pentaville Prison to Whittington Hospital through telemedicine. I worked with expert patient groups where patients would teach other patients on how to manage their diabetes oh, far wow. better than doctors would teach other patients, right? I guess and, they just uh, say it black or white. Like, you know, when you get up in the morning, you do this and <laughs> whatever. Yeah, are able the experience to explain of it. living with something, right? Yeah, true. Yeah. Is allows you to connect with someone more, allows them to ask you more questions. We as physicians don't even think about, you know, uh -huh. you know, when you wake up, do you do this first or do you do that first? You know, uh -huh. oh, if you do this first, I found ABC. So there, there was something really that shifted my mind about who is the expert? Is uh -huh. it me as a physician? Uh -huh. you know, or is it actually uh -huh. the patient, you know, yeah. who lives with the symptoms, you know? That's and actually a really interesting point. Yeah, and I'm just thinking about that now because, you know, would you consider that almost like the future of preventative, but also of healthcare? Because having the opportunity to talk to someone else, if you were to say have a certain disease, I, this isn't, I think, normal medical practice that you speak to other patients, right? Would that not be, you know, the workaround or like building those communities where people share 100%, 100%. that? 100%. 100%. These expert patient groups are doing some excellent work, self management programs, they're running in diabetes where it's about empowering the person that has that disease to develop tools to understand their body better, mm -hmm. they can intervene better. And now technology has moved at such a pace where we can really empower people to do that, right? With yeah. Continuous glucose monitors, yeah. health wearable rings, et cetera, yep. et cetera, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yes, the short answer is that empowering patients to be comfortable and creating safe space and boundaries for them to be able to hold these groups and forums is only a good thing. So that was a real eye-opening for me in many ways, that experience. And that led me to the point where I was like, okay, actually, I do want to finish my training and become a consultant in the UK system. So it gives me the freedom to practice mm -hmm. with a certain degree. And so I finished my general practice training. And also, I was interested in chronic disease and managing communities And so I did my primary care GP training in Royal London Hospital and in the attached Tower Hamlets area, worked in, really deprived. I wanted to work in somewhere where there was a big need and complex general practice because disease present late in a city, urban areas where access is more limited and understanding and education is less. And mm -hmm. so that was thoroughly enjoyable and also thoroughly frustrating at the same time. Not the area, but just seeing how you delivering care is managed ultimately mm -hmm. how the health system manages you to deliver care how mm -hmm. it limits your ability to think about the human body in a more holistic interconnected way 
in a regenerative and how it does it, you know, lots of challenges. And so where I was managing patients who were coming in with the same problems, whether they're 25 year olds living with lifelong eczema, debilitating, and all I could do was give them a steroid cream or mm-hmm. antibiotics and the same cycle over mm-hmm. and over and over again, or seeing the gradual decline, sometimes steady stepwise decline of patients that had a whole list of medications. Mm-hmm. And my toolkits were more medications or referring into a specialist within the hospital who mm-hmm. prescribe more medications mm-hmm. or give more drugs, mm-hmm. usually, or who end up down a kind of investigative route. And really just feeling that patients are disempowered, you know, we're disempowering yeah. our patients with this type of healthcare. And actually, I've done a TEDx talk, and my TEDx talk, coming back to your question earlier, what is my earliest mm-hmm. subconscious memory that I've kind of put together afterwards was being a child. One of my youngest memories was at my uncle's funeral mm-hmm. and being in a room and hearing from everyone around me, when it's your time, it's your time. And that paradigm, you're healthy until you're sick. Mm-hmm. And seeing that manifest as a doctor was really like, okay, this has to be more. It has to be mm-hmm. more. And that led me on continuing that learning journey that I started when I started looking at stem cell medicine and to look at alternative approaches outside of the UK to really inspire and understand what else is out there. And alongside this time, my sister, cosmetic dermatologist, UK, US trained, wanted to bring the medical spa concept to the UK about Mm -hmm. eight years ago. So we founded LMS Wellness Mm -hmm. and really just looked at from the outside in how to reverse aging, the effects of aging from the outside in, longevity Mm -hmm. of your appearance, really. How do skin cells age? How do do the tissues anatomically move? How does Mm -hmm. hair follicles go through different phases? And then designing protocols based on that adopting innovations in science and putting them together in protocols and stacks mm-hmm. to reverse the signs of skin aging, like what mm-hmm. happens when your skin thins, pigmentation, redness, mm-hmm. pores, laxity, and then doing like really, you know, treatments and then seeing that, wow, this stuff works. That's really interesting. Hair. Mm-hmm. Okay. I can get new baby hair to grow out in your forties. That's really interesting. Having mm-hmm. gray haired people turning a bit less gray. That was really interesting. Yeah. And so I actually really enjoyed aesthetic medicine because it allowed me to apply principles of regenerative medicine, which yeah. is around stem cells and using that cellular approach to health and see the objective results with the eyes. You know, that's really quite powerful. Yeah. And then that kind of said at the same time with those patients, I would see because we would fly around the world and see those patients. We would understand that those patients wouldn't actually go to the NHS for their health. They'd be flying out to wellness centers in Germany, Austria, Spain, Italy Mm -hmm. for two to three weeks of wellness, feeling great and then coming back to life, their jet set life and then the effects not lasting very long. That was probably about 2014, 15, Mm -hmm. I started to get exposed to this. Now remember, I'm a UK trained NHS blinkers on (laughs) doctor, right? Who's had a little bit of exposure to stem cells, but that's about it. And yeah. then I started to see people going to Germany and Austria and then understanding they use a very diet and detoxification-based approach to health. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, that's interesting. You know, that's really interesting. Then I came mm-hmm. across functional medicine, 2015, mm-hmm. I went to study in the US at the IFM. Uh-huh. Um, and then started, I went to a conference, 
best medical conference I've been to where I was in a room with osteopaths and nutritionists and mm-hmm. other physicians. And I was like, really out of my comfort zone. I was like, this, <laughs> you know, bringing forward that kind of entrenched, arrogant kind of traditional Mentality. medicine. Yeah. 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 It, it yeah. trains yeah. you to be very arrogant and like, that you know all. Yeah. Very dismissive. And I'll come back to the dismissive point in a second. And then sat there, listened. I was like, wow, there has to be some truth to this. Like, you can't have this many people saying that <laughs> they're reversing diseases like eczema and psoriasis yeah. and, yeah. you know, and mild rheumatoid arthritis, et cetera. And I was like, they can't all be. And then one of the faculty teaching there, Mark Menelisino, a you know, true internal physician, and I just loved how he described it. And then he was you know, giving a series of talks and I asked mm-hmm. if he would mentor me and I saw like different mentors came across around that time, Molly Malouf. She's coming Molly. on the podcast in August. She's yeah. great. Yeah. So, you know, we did a project together where she was one of the early adopters of this type of medicine. And mm-hmm. so she kind of coached me a little bit and did a project with us. And we started to develop with Mark, et cetera, and within my team programs for our patients that we were recruiting through aesthetic medicine who were interested in this type of, who are going to Germany, Austria. So they already had their eyes open a little bit and yeah. understood that, health can be delivered slightly differently mm-hmm. and then from there it was just double down it was just double down it was just seeing patients get results and just being blown away this is it you know this is my new mission for the next 10 20 30 god knows how long but this is it yeah i want to continue to replicate these roles so i want to roll it out to other autoimmune conditions and other conditions and mm-hmm. what was really nice was the ability to converge functional medicine mm-hmm. which is root cause medicine into drivers of inflammation and state of health Mm -hmm. alongside longevity medicine Mm -hmm. or science, I should say, Mm -hmm. which is more about the long term. You know, Mm -hmm. what happens as we age, as we talked about Mm -hmm. earlier. And they're finding the sweet spot in the middle, which is probably performance medicine. And And health span optimization, yeah. Right, which is like, actually, okay, beyond just spending your life, you know, what about kind of helping you feel superhuman or helping you yeah. outperform and outlive your dreams and that became this like really for me it was just like wow like this is it you know this is, <laughs> this is what I want to do yeah and, I mean uh, similar for me as well because people are like oh why longevity like why do I want to live longer and I was like you know well, what's your perception of longevity and typically it's you know being perceived let's say 85 year old like why would you want to extend that type of life for another 20 years well it's like no wrong what if you could go skydiving at 95 what if you can be out partying which was always my thing at 94 right <laughs> having lots of fun climbing mountains and having a great time into your 90s and, and even 100 right so why should age stop you if you can optimize yourself and you can really enjoy life more? And what does it free up? It frees all the time. I mean, you know, I see my parents sort of generation, how many doctor's visits, like that's kind of the week plan, like which doctor's visits do they need to go to? Imagine you had all that free time to like go and do you know great sports and having a great time, hang out with your friends and really enjoying life, optimizing things and reaching your true human potential. So I think that's more the why and getting people to understand that it's not just about living longer. It's actually living really well longer and doing really cool, fun things. And that I think is the excitement behind it for me, at least. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's strange how the most of society, they outsource their health to the health system. Yep. And that's what the NHS is for. That's what, you know, if I'm sick, I'll go to them. That's because we haven't really been educated around the ability to control 
our destiny from a health perspective. Yeah. Yeah, we can all get run over by a bus, but we can control if we're going to get diabetes. Yeah. To some degree, especially type 2 diabetes and how that extends now into vascular dementia and mm-hmm. and strokes, etc. and other kind of chronic conditions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But more and more people and physicians and healthcare teams are beginning to understand that that long-term thinking is hard, isn't it? And it's hard to even coach people in long-term thinking sometimes. <laughs> well, I agree because we're also used to that. I have a headache, give me a pill. I want the headache to go away. I think for me, when I spent a bit of time in China, and this is back in 2005, visited a traditional Chinese medicine pharmacy and I had the doctor looking at my tongue and checking my pulse and I'm like you know what are they really going to figure out from here but she really picked up on a few things which I was you know of course they do right this is a very old medicine but you know how they treat things right so if you have a headache it's getting to the root cause so we were talking about functional medicine and root cause medicine and solving for the root cause and so it takes three days of having it maybe a headache but then it's gone forever because you've solved for that versus the whole just taking the pill and it keeps coming back again and it doesn't make you any better so I'd love to talk about some of the exciting and very cool treatments that you have at Human. And I was last week now or 10 days ago in your very cool NASA hyperbaric oxygen chamber. But I'd love for you as the expert to talk about the different therapies that you offer and why they are so amazing for the body. Our approach to therapies is based around self-regenerative approach to health it's about how do we fine-tune the human biology and the processes that go on to make them work better how do we support them to work better rather than an interventional approach which is more of a traditional medical approach drugs synthetic drugs or surgery Mm -hmm. it's about how do we just make your cells work better or make your biology more connected and so we started with hyperbaric oxygen therapy I came across that, I think around 2015 as well, 16, when I just went on this deep exploration around the world, Germany, Austria, America, Japan. How fun. And ja- <laughs> yeah, Japan you know, pioneered a lot of hyperbaric medicine, actually, and, and oh, really? came across hyperbaric. And in this approach to health, with that lens that we are healthy at the state of vitality in our 20s, and then we're in a gradual decline, and then the diagnosis of that disease fits in when we have those structural issues within the organs Mm -hmm. I started to look at therapies that I found interesting in the disease state Mm -hmm. and an obvious one was hyperbaric oxygen therapy from a cellular perspective it's a simple simple science for people not familiar can you explain what it actually is and for sure yeah it's optimizing you to get better quality oxygen at a very simple level we are a bag of trillions of cells our plumbing, which is our blood supply in our heart, is the pump, <laughs> takes the oxygen from our lungs, from our environment, from air. We have 21% oxygen. We take that out of our lungs into our blood supply mm-hmm. and it gets delivered to our cells. Mm-hmm. Each cell has an engine, which is the mitochondria, which mm-hmm. takes energy and makes fuel. Like mm-hmm. all vehicles, we take air and oxygen. It combusts with a spark mm-hmm. to make energy. Same thing happens at each cell. Mm-hmm. To make any, and with that energy, we use that energy. The cell uses that energy to do what it needs to do: different functions, replicate, create proteins, hormones, enzymes, kill senescent cells, maybe old cells, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, fight inflammation. Mm-hmm. And so, if we give better fuel to a cell at a very simple level, the cell will work better, mm-hmm. and it'll do its job better. And because you're 
improving the delivery of oxygen to all of your cells, it can affect and impact every single organ, every single part of you, from your skin to your hair follicles on the outside, to your brain tissue, preventing the shrinking of the brain, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. So it has a massive longevity effect in mm-hmm. maintaining the structure of the organs, the blood supply to those organs, and the neutral oxygen delivery. Also, at a cellular level, through the energy effect, you will heal better. You will replace your old cells better. You'll fight your inflammation better. Mm-hmm. So from a longevity science perspective, it's phenomenal. And that's why we call it the time machine. There's been studies coming out this year from Israel, some excellent studies showing the biological aging markers reverse from mm-hmm. a course of hyperbaric oxygen treatments. Okay, right? wow. So that's the application for longevity. Then yeah. you have the application for disease state at the mm-hmm. other end of the spectrum. So people that have post-surgery are healing, wound healing, after strokes or mini infarcts within the brain to help reperfusion and keep those cells alive. It helps with post-disease fractures, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera, burns, dermatology. So that mm-hmm. was an excellent adjunct for the aesthetic medicine stuff we were doing and for post-surgery for a lot of patients that were coming post-surgery, orthopedic uh-huh. surgery, et cetera, et cetera. So it expedites the healing process, basically. It's massively. Uh-huh. Yeah. And just for people who aren't super familiar, it's like going into a little space capsule almost with very cool lighting. And you have an oxygen mask on and the cabin or the vessel, the pressure changes, right? So I think it's down to like 85 meters below sea level, which is beyond like a tech diver, right? So I'm a scuba diver, no, but so, I've only gone to yeah. 30. So. <laughs> yeah. so the hyperbaric chambers for nitrogen sickness, so for deep scuba diving and basically for diving medicine, go down to those pressures. Uh-huh. Um, and traditional ones for disease management also used to go down to those ones. But now the chambers... In science, we realize that we, they don't need to go down to as far as 85. Okay. Yeah, because so I up, didn't feel like that when I was so, in them. I was yeah, like, wow. some of them go down to 85. <laughs> this one goes down to approximately 20, 25, which is about okay, two, yeah. two and a half atmospheric pressure. Yeah. And the science behind it is that if you double the atmospheric pressure, right, mm-hmm. then effectively your body will take in double the amount of mm-hmm. oxygen mm-hmm. from if it's just air from the air. So instead of it being 21%, it will receive it as if it's 42% oxygen. Yeah. 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 And so if you're giving someone 95% oxygen, you obviously just flood the body of oxygen because you also start to carry oxygen, not just in your red blood cells, but also in your blood plasma, which is the liquid oh, wow. within which your different types of blood cells are carried. And so mm-hmm. your reservoir, the total amount of oxygen you can carry just increases by 20 to 30 times. Yeah, so it's really powerful. It should be the mainstay for good longevity practice. We would love to see it much more widely available. So you can use it for longevity, for healing and disease states. And you can also use it for optimizing the state. And that's why we can also call it the think tank. A lot of the blood flow goes to the brain. So if you're Uh optimizing the blood flow to the brain, you Mm. think clearer. Yeah. And people often go in there, do one-to-one meetings. And I wanted to create a chamber that was you can actually go and sit inside and be comfortable. That's fun. Yeah, you, I mean, yeah, you, yeah. You know, you can people do their one-to-one meetings in there. Of some of our members, even I do some of my stuff, and yeah, it's brilliant. Um, <laughs> you do your brainstorming creativity through. sessions in there. One hundred percent, for Amazing. sure. I mean, to have I'm a little there. Board up there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm in there probably two to three times a week on average. Yeah. Amazing. Oh, hence you look so young still. So, and what other cool therapies do you also offer at, at Human? Okay, so we also do whole body cryotherapy. 
it's taking you into a breezer that goes down to minus 140 Celsius. Which is so insane, yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? It's so normal to be in Albert when you think about it, it is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and the cold exposure at that level with your head in, your whole body in, has a number of benefits. It stimulates your body in a number of ways. Your body's like, I need to survive, I need to regenerate, I need to heal, you know, through that skin temperature drop. You get pulsing or production of growth hormone and regenerative hormones and mm -hmm. testosterone for men, mm -hmm. both which decline as we age. Mm -hmm. From a metabolic perspective, we know met metabolic flexibility is very important for longevity. How agile your metabolism is to respond to sugar is very important. If our bodies are lazy, our metabolism becomes lazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then it just stores sugar very quickly as white adipositis or white fat cells, which mm -hmm. sits centripetally around your stomach, you know, low mm -hmm. fat hips and stomach. And that's lazy fat. And that's actually pro inflammatory fat. So that in itself drives cascades of inflammation, which then age you even more. So when you do something like this, your body mm -hmm. needs to create energy because it needs to bring your temperature back up. It's like, I'm freezing. So walk through what it's like. So you have this yeah. freezer, right? Yes. And there's a glass thing. So you, at least you can see out. But will you have anything on you? Like, how does it work? And does your brain not freeze? <laughs> how long do you stay in We need to get you in the chamber, in the <laughs> chamber. So essentially you wear thermals to cover your periphery. So your hands, yeah. your ears, your feet up to your knees. Okay, yeah, what about your nose? You have a face mask. Face mask, okay. Yeah. Have you heard of percussive therapy? Whole body percussive therapy? It's like a type of massage, the Theragun or... Ah, okay, no. There's different types of guns. They okay. have a massage nodule on the, on the end and it's very, it's just high frequency. Okay, after therapy. stimulating, yeah, yeah. Right, so we do that on your whole body, focusing on your tendons, which are very don't have a very good blood supply. So blood, we want uh -huh. to, especially for those people that have been training a lot or have any muscular aches and pains, after yeah. training, we want to loosen up those inflammatory complexes, get them circulating, get blood supply back into the tendons uh -huh. before we put you in the chamber. Okay, so then we we'll <laughs> put you nice. in the chamber. So you, yeah, it's nice. You loosen up the muscles, you get okay. the blood, blood supply going. From an experienced perspective, you're going to go into the chamber and you're going to feel extremely cold and you're going to have a gasp reflex. As if you go into a plunge pool of ice, have you ever done that? Yeah, I've done that. And you were talking about the German places or you go into, you know, the sauna and then go outside in the snow or into a plunge pool. Yeah, it's a, quite a shock to the system. <laughs> yes. And you have a reflex. You're, one of the reflexes is a gasp or get out yeah. of it and gasp, can't breathe reflex. So that's the first <laughs> thing you experience. It's not as uncomfortable as a ice bath because you haven't got the pressure of cold water on you. It's just cold air. Uh -huh. So it's much more comfortable. However, it's still cold. And you have like these snowflakes flying around you while you're in there. It's, uh, so it's, it's quite directly minus 140. We start at minus 90 and build you up to minus okay. 140. Yeah. And over what period of time? Up to three minutes. But you can leave the chamber whenever you, and we tell you on what situation you might need to leave the chamber, which is extreme shivering. And it's normally driven by a mental reflex, right? So this is helping people understand the sympathetic, parasympathetic nervous system, how they can control their state. It's yeah. brilliant. You go in there and anything you're thinking about is gone because all you care about is surviving yeah. those three minutes and conquering that fear. It's a uh -huh. bit like many people experience it, a bit like bungee jump. Okay. That bungee kind jump. of overcoming that fear because it looks a bit intimidating yeah. mentally. It's like, can I do this or not? And we coach you through it. So that's really nice in itself, just overcoming a fear. And yeah, alone and that is already a huge achievement. Yeah. yeah, and appreciating your physical body's endurance capacity 
and how you can control the urge to just get out of there, you know? And then also, I guess, with breath work, right? I mean, look at Wim Hof who climbs Everest in a pair of shorts. So I think through certain breathing techniques, although at a minus 140 for the lungs, is there any issue doing deep breathing? No, it's fine. You can do deep breathing. But you have the face mask, I guess, on as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very, very cool. And just to touch on a few other ones, what are the other therapies that you have from the kind of biohacking sense that you see huge exponential results from? Intravenous ozone therapy. I really like that. So this is, again, tapping into the power of oxygen, but in a different form. Oxygen comes down to our atmosphere as O2 from the ozone layer, which is O3. It's really unstable as O3, so that's why it comes down as O2. However, if we give you O3 into your blood, Mm-hmm. that dissociates into oxygen so you get increased blood concentration of oxygen and a reactive oxygen species or an oxidative stressor and you hear about antioxidants as one of the most important ways of mm-hmm. anti-aging mm-hmm. vitamin c glutathione resveratrol alpha-lipoic acid etc etc however when i give you an oxidative stress your body then creates and up regulates its production of antioxidants Mm -hmm. So again, it's another form of a hormetic stressor or a stressor designed to make your own body stimulate good things. Just like Mm -hmm. cryotherapy, Mm -hmm. it's a hormetic stressor, extreme cold environment. Okay, you go Mm -hmm. inside and your body regenerates, your body improves its Mm -hmm. metabolism. With ozone, what does it do? It has a massive anti-aging effect, helps self-repair, anti-infective effect, supports your immune system, reduces Mm -hmm. inflammation through the antioxidant effect, and -hmm. supports detoxification through the liver. Mm-hmm. and energizes the mitochondria through the oxygen effect. So massive cellular benefits from doing it. And I love ozone. We do it high dose, high concentration. We do everything at the medical end. And we're trained by some of the world's leading, probably the world's leading physicians or experts in each of those disciplines. And that's very important to us. So I love ozone therapy. And then the other one that we have at the moment is intravenous or systemic. So systemic is the application within your body mm-hmm. or not locally, so whenever you're applying a therapy, it can either be local from the mm-hmm. outside on your skin, injection into a joint, or systemic into your blood. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the systemic application of photobiomodulation or low level laser therapy, right? Mm-hmm. You know, those red light panels, we see it all the time infrared and red light, mm-hmm. red light beds, but we give it into the vein, into your blood. We activate all of your plumbing, and that has a different effect. To doing it from the outside. How is the light injected into the vein? How does that work? We have a three-way cannula and a fiber optic cable that you pass mm-hmm. into the vein. And so the fiber optic cable transduces the, and it's attached to the laser module and that goes into the vein. And then you have all of your five liters of blood passing through that vein, uh-huh. all of it, in an average once a minute. So all of that five liters of blood will get activated and then take that energy around. Remember, we go to sunlight, we produce vitamin D. Yeah. Right? We know that light energy affects our biology. Science has shown different wavelengths of light have different biological effects. Mm-hmm. Blue, immune system. Mm-hmm. Red, energizing at a cellular level. Mm-hmm. Green, increasing oxygen carrying capacity of hemoglobin, so great for performance in athletes and recovery. Yellow, upregulating production of neurotransmitters, calming neurotransmitters like serotonin and vitamin D synthesis. That's that same wavelength of light. And this is why many people get affected by seasonal affective disorder, but they're yeah, like, oh, I'm, what is blue? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. there is more to it than, you know, light also affects our neurotransmitters, not just 
our vitamin D. Yeah. And then UV, which is uh, against pathogens. Now we use it as an adjunct, mm-hmm. so as a supportive therapy. We don't use that as a kind of interventional therapy. We use it as a supportive therapy. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and then because we combine that with nutrients, great food in a liquid bag, like an IV drip, right? Which is yeah. basically great food that's been processed. So we take our food at the right concentrations, so it's mm-hmm. bioavailable and we make them on site according to what we're looking to achieve. When you combine the two, you get a compound new effect. Mm-hmm. And that's been really interesting because I love to stack therapies. And we created this, and we're the only place in the world that do this. We call it superhuman because we're trying to make health accessible, make it fun, right? Because we yeah. believe health should start when you're healthy. And when you're healthy, you're usually down the pub or usually at that. In the UK, that's where we grew up in, right? Like when you're healthy. It's a change that mentality. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's why I created the bar. You can see it behind me. I know. Um, I'd love to talk about that in a minute. Yeah. yeah. And so we created this superhuman protocol, which is, can we make people feel superhuman compared to when they come in? Mm-hmm. And what does it mean to feel superhuman anyway? It means mm-hmm. best energy, best focus, best digestion, your best movement, suppleness of your body, best recovery. Based on the science, we combine this cave, giving you the right nutrients into your veins with these laser lights, with the oxygen then, and then followed by whole body cryo, which has this kind of massive endorphin effects and other things, mm-hmm. followed by topical red light therapies, like a five-step, 90 minutes. And we're doing experiments with some of our members who are now beating their personal bests. You know, CrossFit guys are going in by 20% being their personal best the next day. People prepare wow. for the triathlons. Athletes that we're preparing for boxing camps, working with a couple of boxers. I'm the head of medical for the World Boxing Council in the Middle East. We're introducing these kind of therapies to support recovery and enhanced performance in natural, regenerative, non-doping way. Why can't we apply them? So I'm really blessed and fortunate to be able to apply this on disciplined athletes and bring that onto everyday people. This is what we're about. And so that's an example of that, where we compound therapies to get much more of a lasting, all based on science, just based on good core understanding of science. Yeah. I guess a few questions from that, but the typical person who comes here, I mean, you have the professional athletes and things as well. And we were talking about, you know, how to bring this to the larger audience, right? So how to let more people know that you don't need to go when you're really sick. So obviously start earlier and you don't need to be the top athlete. You can actually just optimize yourself day to day. And can you yes. walk through, you know, say I come off the streets, Dr. E, I want to have more energy. I want to feel better. What can you offer me? What would that sort of treatment plan look like from maybe testing to how you would come up with the program, which is obviously highly individualized, but for people listening, maybe you can just walk through a typical case of not the triathlete and not yes, the absolutely. Yeah, I mean, the disease. So we're, everyone is human, right? And wherever you're at in your journey of optimizing your health, whether mm-hmm. you start at a higher end or at a disease end, Mm-hmm. You know, more imbalance or less imbalance, it doesn't matter. Everyone deserves to have better health mm-hmm. to help them achieve the things they want in life. Mm-hmm. Always starts with what their why is. Mm-hmm. We spend about 60 to 90 minutes just getting to know our person in front of us. Mm-hmm. You know, what is their why? Why are they even here? What's like their why that. behind their why? You know, you're coming to see me because, you know, you want to lose some weight. Okay, why do you want to lose some weight? Because... Uh-huh. I've just come out of a relationship and I'm really stressed. Okay, now I understand what's going on in your environment more. I understand what's going on in your home environment more. I understand mm-hmm. what's going on with your children more. I understand what's going on with your generations above and how your career is impacting you. And yeah. that is all so important. Yeah. And so it starts with the why. And we start with the why, then we dive into the history of health. 
starting mm-hmm. generational history and them from their health as a child, infancy, in the womb, all the way to now. From that, you can start to learn patterns. Just from that deep dive consultation, you start to learn patterns and understand patterns where things could started to go wrong. And mm-hmm. we may just be seeing a tip of the iceberg with the symptom, but actually we need to be looking at A, B, C, D, and E. So that's always the beginning. From there, we personalize for them. Mm-hmm. A journey through data collection. What mm-hmm. data points are most important step one for you, for us to understand and triangulate how mm-hmm. you're feeling with objective mm-hmm. measurements. So okay? what does that look like granularly? Is that like blood tests or what type of data? Yeah, so we start with, we have a panel of 100 markers, mm-hmm. right? We call it the foundational and cellular integrity. Mm-hmm. That's step one of testing. That looks at hormones, micronutrients, kidney, liver, blood test, immune system inflammatory markers, indications of methylation, and then also fatty acid composition. Mm-hmm. But we use a narrow interpretation index of narrow normal ranges to identify certain you know, things, imbalances. Wait, you look at it like from type. a functional health though, right? Like, because you exactly. say the normal ranges, but the, what's normal, from, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly, from a functional health or personalized health yeah. range perspective, right? And that shows you imbalances. Mm-hmm. And it gives you pointers and directions. Okay, someone might have digestive enzyme production insufficiency. Someone mm-hmm. might have assimilation issues of their nutrients. Someone mm-hmm. might have ABC. And that will direct further testing. Yeah. So we do that step one. Then we attach with you, we have an integrated care team approach. So you have a physician mm-hmm. trained in this type of medicine, mm-hmm. a dedicated health coach, mm-hmm who actually starts as a nutritional therapist, but we train them up in coaching. We have an in-house education program where we train our team in different roles. So a dedicated health coach who holds your hand through a journey and touches base with every couple of weeks, uses techniques of NLP and motivational interviewing to set goals that are realistic that you can do Mm -hmm. that understands your context and educates Mm -hmm. you and empowers you each step of the way. Mm -hmm. And they're also supported by an expert nutritionist who loves to get into the deep nitty-gritty and science of nutrition mm-hmm. and how to optimize you from a nutrient perspective, mm-hmm. right? Which is and the medicine to... you give your body every day, right? I think people forget that. Right, 100%. Mm-hmm. And so then when we do that, then this journey begins. Then we mm-hmm. start to take you through coaching your personalized lifestyle strategies across movement, mind, breath, sleep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We give them an aura ring usually because that's the most comfortable mm-hmm. one for our patients. And then we coach them on what? internal stress responses, heart rate variability, deep mm-hmm. sleep, REM, how to drive those according to their lifestyle and what's going on and their goals, and then nutritional strategies. And then from there, we go into more testing. Now, obviously, everyone is different, so we might prescribe someone to do a comprehensive stool analysis looking at prebiotics, microbiome, parasites, et cetera, et cetera, fungi, viruses, Sooner, depending if they've got big digestive system symptoms or they've got a history of small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, SIBO, mm-hmm. etc. Um, so you've got stool or digestive intelligence covers stool testing, really understanding what's going through your digestive tract and what you're excreting. Food sensitivity testing, looking mm-hmm. at your immune response to food. We find that we can do without it. And many patients, we don't prescribe food sensitivity testing. But for those that we want more compliance to, those that will help them have an aha moment. Oh my God, I'm developing antibodies to apple, but I have apple all the time and I feel fine. 
<laughs> you can help educate them around yeah. leaky gut and how if foods aren't broken down properly, they can drive an immune response if you've got leaky gut to become more compliant. And that's quite nice. And then alongside that, organic acid testing. So the metabolomics approach to health, right? So looking mm -hmm. at your urine. So we look at mm -hmm. your stool, we look at your blood, we look at your urine. Mm -hmm. In your urine, we're looking at things you excrete, mm -hmm. metabolites or breakdown products of cellular processes that go on all the time. Mm -hmm. whether it's energy production cycles or production of neurotransmitters or recycling of hormones. And that gives us a kind of systemic understanding of you at cellular level metabolomics. And that's usually, you know, a good four months with patients. And by that point, they're seeing just leveling up every month. Mm -hmm. It's constant improvement, right? We're not throwing everything at the kitchen sink in one go because mm -hmm. we feel like testing should be phased and you build the foundation of a house, you start with the structure and the foundation, the important things like hormones, micronutrients, inflammation, yeah. methylation. Then mm -hmm. you move on to optimizing the simulation of nutrients through digestion. Then you look at the cellular metabolism processes and then maybe environmental toxins and then maybe genetics, right? Mm -hmm. Some would argue genetics can come earlier and we do, we can, and for those patients that can afford to, and want to do a longevity panel approach, which is, mm -hmm. you know, more comprehensive, we would look at, instead of replace the foundation with a much more comprehensive panel of testing that we send to the, U you know, most of the labs are in the US apart from the foundation test, just because that longevity panel will work with a Cleveland Heart Lab in the US to do the testing. It's just not available here, some of those markers. Look at advanced mm -hmm. inflammatory markers, looking at how your blood vessel, the earliest determinants of the thickening of your blood vessels, mm -hmm. right? Things like myeloproxidase, LPPLA2, you know, tests that should be throughout cardiology and will be over time. But we want to know the earliest changes happening in the intimal wall. We want to understand your breakdown of your LDL cholesterol, not just to HDL, LDL triglycerides, but let's break that down even further because science allows us to mm -hmm. lipoproteins, small density lipoproteins. Mm -hmm. And what are they? Lipoprotein A, lipoprotein B, your ratios of A to B. Because when we know that we can be much more targeted from a nutrient and nutrition perspective, we can also mm -hmm. manage your cardiovascular risk much better. Yeah. Someone that has high cholesterol because of one in four people, because of lipoprotein A, there's studies to show, big studies to show that if you give them a statin, which is first line therapy, you increase mm -hmm. their cardiovascular risk. Yeah. This And also this, increase the risk of brain plaque, right? And Alzheimer's disease. Dr. Pelmutter has a great book on that brain brain. Yeah. Exactly, right? And mm -hmm. so, you know, that for me was just like, this helps people quickly understand the difference between public medicine mm -hmm. and personalized medicine. I don't mean public in a negative way. No. I just mean that the way that we deliver algorithms yeah. on mm -hmm. care is based mm -hmm. on the general population. Like 75% are going to be great on a statin, mm -hmm. right? So, yeah, okay, we'll give everyone a statin as first-line therapy. But it shouldn't even be first time. We know it shouldn't be first. There's things yeah. you can do with food and diet and movement, lifestyle that actually, like Jeffrey Bland, Dr. Bland, one of the first cardiologists who did a study around lifestyle intervention versus bypass mm -hmm. or drug therapy. And actually, lifestyle intervention was the best, right? Wins every time. Yeah. yeah and right. I think it touches on one of the points you said before is that, you know, I think we're still learning more and more the power of the human body and also the mind to influence the human body as well. That's why I like with your approach that you have with the different therapies and the coaching as well, because it works on the mindset to actually help people to change. Because it's one thing you go to see your doctor, they say, 
here are five things you can do, you know, and come back in a couple of months time versus actually holding hands and helping a little bit more, especially for people where it might be a more fundamental shift in lifestyle to actually make the change. Yeah. And empowering people through that, right? Like teaching people how to cook, teaching people how to shop, you know, like things that I wasn't. How to read labels. How to read labels when you go to a food shop. Like what difference does it make if I buy organic and non-organic and like, you know, grass-fed, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah seasonal fruit or non-seasonal fruit you know these are the simple everyday things that we can do decisions choices we can make yeah. every day yeah. that can influence not just the long term but how we feel in the current state right yeah. our relationship with food you know how we setting behavior patterns around the dinner table mm-hmm. our yeah. relationship with our phones you know our relationships with things that go into our head and affect our state constantly uh-huh. this is why the coaching element is actually more important than the doctors and the science part. You know, like in many ways, right? Mm-hmm. 99% of moving the needle with people is through understanding them and their environment mm-hmm. and meeting them with recommendations that at their level and then mm-hmm. supporting them and touching base with them frequently mm-hmm. and saying, hey, look, how can we support you? How can you support yourself? Helping them identify their blockers and challenges, whether it's mental thing or otherwise. And mm-hmm. so the power of coaching is about transformation, isn't it? And mm-hmm. it's about helping people transform. I think the coaching element has really unlocked this type of medicine for us, mm-hmm. you know, where yeah. it started prescriptive yeah. and, you know, realized very soon that the prescriptive model of care doesn't work full stop. We know mm-hmm. that studies have shown that. And so, you know, how do we, how do we support people is by meeting them through a coaching model. So wish yeah. us luck. We're introducing that now with human. That's exciting. It's like the human approach, right? So it works really well with your name because, you know, everyone needs that coach. And if you look at professional athletes, they have coaches, even, you know, professional musicians, they all have coaches, someone kind of in their corner helping and supporting them. And, you know, more and more we're kind of left to our own devices if you don't actually have a coach. So why not have one that helps with the mindset, with the lifestyle changes, fundamental changes, you feel better after you're basically a whole nother person afterwards as well. Yeah, and, you know, having developed and iterated these kinds of programs on patients, we've seen over about three, 400 patients over the last, through LMS Health and LMS Wellness, developed these programs and worked with our patients. We've just iterated it and developed it to be able to democratize the expertise that is allowing us to then hopefully get this out to a lot more people through human, through the virtual health programs that we're going to be delivering with you so we're excited for it and uh, we're excited to be hopefully the first integrated care model in the uk delivering this type of medicine and care out to more people and yes of course we have the physical center which is i would say is more like my laboratory where it looks like a science lab you can see it behind you there with all the cool colors you were talking about and all those bottles and potions can you talk a bit about the space and the design and the thought that went into (laughs) yeah 100 percent. i mean i think my background in appreciating user experience started because i worked in retail for many years since i was a teenager really because my parents Mm -hmm. were in the business of retail so in the 80s and 90s even before i was born in the 70s my dad had market stalls and that was the place of trade markets. So I remember in the 80s as a child going to market stalls and see you know, that kind of retail experience, meeting yeah. someone at their level and trying to give them something they like, you know. And then from then, mm-hmm. you know, I worked in retail and fashion stores just to get me through school and, you know, just other side jobs and stuff. 
and then through university, I worked in a mobile phone shop for years, carpet warehouse. And again, that was providing and understanding the retail experience to meet someone at their level. And so for me, giving the experience was very important, creating a place where you can experience health, which I hadn't seen anywhere. I'd never seen somewhere as a traditional doctor, seen somewhere where I could go and experience something cool and fun and mm -hmm. get health as output as an experience. And so that's why I created this bar. And I believe that we're all scientists to some degree and we all use our environment and we're all conscious of how different things affect us. And people drink different types of alcohol to get different types of effects. This is an example. And in the 90s, it was always about work hard, play hard. And people were taking Adderall and Ritalin and other drugs <laughs> just to stay up and keep going. And I'm mm -hmm. glad we've kind of turned that. And now it's about restorative <laughs> alongside working hard, but also like, you know, yeah. being able to restore. And so this is what the, this bar is about. It's about coming, if you're not sure, coming and experience a change of state just from using plant medicine. Mm -hmm. So we have curated and created different herbal potions in tincture form and tea form to mm -hmm. change your state. Whether it's you want more euphoria, better energy, cognition, focus. You know, So we created all these blends where people come and experience that as a starting point. We also have like adaptogenic smoothies things like bulletproof coffees, et cetera, et cetera. So that's what this concept was about. Coming to a space where you experience a change of state and a fun place where you can meet the team also. So mm -hmm. we do speaking events and stuff like that. Uh, we have a DJ that plays every now and again. We'll do like a little um, health party for our members. And then you um, go downstairs to the lab and you've been there. It's more like an underground cave where we have the therapies like Barrick and the cryo and the IVs and the laser and the mm -hmm. different treatment rooms where you can go into do body scan assessments and then mm -hmm. go a bit deeper with your health those and therapy, et cetera, et cetera. So that's the concept behind it. And very um, cool. thank you very much. I mean, yeah, it looks cool, especially on this uh, background. It's not actually in the space right now. It's a kind of picture <laughs> of the space. but you know, The virtual. Yeah. And you mentioned about, obviously you have the physical space and there's a few different spaces across London, actually. I understand that you're rolling out and you talked about also virtually that you're able to treat people around the world. Can you talk a bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we wanted to be able to give people access to this type of healthcare. Many of the tests are remote self-testing kits, for example, mm -hmm. stool, urine, finger prick blood. We're introducing saliva swab testing that you can do for biological age. For example, glycan age is one mm -hmm. of the testing markers yeah, we're looking at. Did mine recently and mine came back yeah. 11 years younger, but I'm, yes. so, I'm keen to get farther down. But I hear you had a very low one as well. What did you get to? I got to 15 years, 16 years young, 16 years younger. Yeah. Wow. Okay. 20 the best years I've old. read so far is Dr. Raffaele, who has, I think she was 84 year old patient who has yes. a glycan age of 37. That's phenomenal. Yeah. That's exactly. phenomenal. I, I love seeing that as a data point. Maybe it's just like, okay, you know, it's cool seeing that because, you know, it's hard to yeah. quantify and objectify if what you're doing is working. That's really nice to see. So for my patients who like, okay, I really want longevity. I yeah. want to reclaim some years where I've been burning that candle and I've worked my ass off. Mm -hmm. And I want to be able to ensure that getting to my 50s, 60s, 70s, I could spend time with my children, my grandchildren, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And they like doing that test before and after. I like to do, you know, the standardized testing before and after. So yeah. it motivates us and the incentives are aligned as a team and with the patient to reach those goals. I one day hopefully see a future where we have enough wiggle room to be able to incentivize patients 
even more and more to be able to reach those targets and uh, to gamify health a bit more. That'd be fun. How would that look like? Yeah, just like whether it's kind of the unlock experiences. And we're kind of doing that with this performance coaching model that we're looking at right now. We're still in development. We're exploring it. But we're looking to create a fearless experience. So they Mm -hmm. self-identify something that they absolutely are petrified to do. Uh And then we build them up to actually support them to do it through a mindset and all the biology approach. Um, I think that's so, totally possible. I mean, one person that I interviewed as well is an EFT, emotional freedom technique tapping. And I did a trial session with her as well. And it's unbelievable. I was like a levitating Zen Buddhist monk after 90 minutes wow. on this thing. And yeah. And I think there's so many amazing hacks you can do away from synthetic pills. <laughs> and I love the fact that you bring those all together to optimize performance on many different things from fear to just better energy sleeping well and all in one sort of very cool container with potions and <laughs> yeah, DJs and all the rest of it. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I think it reflects, I would like to say it reflects my cool personality, but that's just me. That's probably, oh, that's probably coming from my ego a little bit. Uh, Rainbow on the inside and outside. <laughs> yeah, not always. I mean, you can ask my team. You know, that's just the reality of the human experience, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. We all have our moments as well. Dr. Ida, I'd love that we could talk forever, I think, and I definitely would love to do a part two, but I'd love to flip over to a few rapid fire questions because I'm sure oh, some listeners go. are dying to know a little bit more about you and if you have any particular morning routines to set your day up as a success, how are you energized like you are? It depends on my state, right? So it depends mm-hmm. on how I'm feeling and how I want to feel. Mm-hmm. So most mornings, I start with some nice, just simple breath work, some box breathing. I try to get out into nature. I do a little bit of grounding, mm-hmm. skipping for five minutes. I don't do anything too aggressive. It depends. It depends if I have the time as well. Sometimes I'm, I'm time poor, mm-hmm. especially with the launch phase right now. Then I have to deprioritize my morning routine or limit it, which is not always a great thing, I know. But so okay. for me, what works is breath work, cold shower, trying getting outdoor, whatever the weather bit of skipping get my heart rate going then i'll come back and do a cold shower and start my day i try not to look at emails straight away everyone says that you know i think that's a really good practice trying not to look up my emails creativity killer yeah yeah and if i if i sometimes even taking the train into work i will have my notebook out and just be journaling preparing for the day reflecting on the day that went at least once a week that's some of the things that i do yeah that sounds like uh not every single day you know but yeah you know, there are elements of that I do every day. Yeah. If that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, no, exactly. And I have a particular morning routine and I really notice if I don't, for whatever reason, manage it or do it, what a difference in the day. And it's almost like you become addicted to actually doing it because it just sets you up to win, right? So I love that. Do you have a favorite quote or piece of advice that's been a real game changer for you? I like the quote, Rome's not built in a day. Uh-huh. And another one, which is not really a quote, but just the concept that, you know, just give it your best shot and mm-hmm. let the universe take your intention and do what it wants with it. And that kind of takes us, maybe, I don't want to go into another conversation, but for next time, we can talk <laughs> about the spiritual evolution, mm-hmm. which I found has been an unintended side effect of working on myself in this way. You know, uh-huh. I became more physically conscious of yeah. my state physically, mm-hmm. which allowed me to then think of my spiritual state, which uh-huh. I was not expecting as an outcome of this journey. And that's been a really beautiful evolution. And I find that a lot in people of longevity practitioners and 
people who are interested mm-hmm. in the space that they're just more conscious. Once they see their body as a vehicle and they can control it, it's like, mm-hmm. okay, what about my and spirit? Yeah. Your mind behind it, yeah. Right. And does that mean like a daily meditation practice or are there certain practices that you have around that? I really enjoyed Vishen Lakhani's 20-minute guided six phase six phase of meditation i did that this morning actually yeah so i really enjoyed i found that at different points i will use that so there's times i've done that there's some soundtracks that i listen to Mm -hmm. which are just you know call them epic sounds they're like the gladiator soundtrack a couple of concertos some nice ones then i have also kind of like binaural beats so Uh music for me is like also helps are there some learnings or insights that your clients you work with have found the most valuable? What are some of the big aha moments or excitements that your clients have realized? That they don't have to live with the symptoms that they didn't identify as having. Mm-hmm. And we try and deliver aha moments because they're really powerful. You know, If we can mm-hmm. give someone an aha moment, mm-hmm. then they can say, wait a minute. That's my physiology. That's my reflexes. That's not me in control of my state. That's not me at my best self. Mm-hmm. And I've just experienced a bit of my best self, of what it's like to be at the best self. I mm-hmm. want more of that. And that's what yeah. this kind of therapies approach is all about. It's about helping people experience how much better they can feel and yeah. then giving them motivation to want to experience that. Not just do therapies, but just actually just doing kind of lifestyle medicine and mm-hmm. targeted supplementation and coaching, et cetera, et cetera. So mm-hmm. that engineering aha moments mm-hmm. is really important to us at human it's like i say experiencing is believing i say that yeah. a lot yeah you know, we want people to experience that change of yeah. state it's so powerful believe. when you yeah. when you've actually done it because you can listen to somebody's you know amazing story and it's touching but until you've actually gone through it yourself then you're a walking mission statement right so yeah yeah and you don't need to be at the darkest a lot of people will talk about their darkest disease-based story <laughs> right it doesn't need to be that you know no yeah at all you know don't wait for that you know it can just be yeah. like you know, it can be not sleeping as well i've got yeah some, or just you know, tired bloating. a lot of women actually you know with this type of medicine we're unlocking a lot of women's health mm-hmm. because i feel like medicine the normal ranges the way we deliver health is very patriarchal it's designed for men and when we start to look at hormone recycling detoxification pathways phytoestrogens nutrients yeah. to support women's health women start to unlock like wow i don't need to be that mildly irritable i didn't realize that was mildly irritable in my cycle mm-hmm. people would ask me i'll get a bit defensive etc etc like you know, these states that women don't need to be particularly around the cycle yeah and understanding how to periodize nutrition movement and lifestyle strategy according to your cycle for women has been a real revelation for me as a physician and for our patients and uh, that's been really nice actually that's really exciting yeah actually dr jennifer garrison of the buck institute she's pioneering research around actually eradicating menopause because it's not clinically necessary and the longevity effects that that would have in youthfulness of women not necessarily around reproduction but just in general that you know falling off a cliff effect that's typically been happening for women around menopause just to eradicate that so yeah i'm going to be having her coming on as well to discuss that'll be great that'll be great and and as doctors we propagate that problem right we're giving all contraceptive pill to 16 year olds who've got it for 25 30 years Mm. we potentiate we enable we empower those issues and this is where there's one thing i do want to say on this podcast because i had this moment the other day where mm. someone came in and they were telling me a story and the story was basically explaining this concept of the worried well 
how in private medicine we see a lot of the worried well. Have you heard of that expression before, the worried well? I have, but maybe explain it for people who haven't heard so it. So we hear it thrown about in the UK a lot, particularly in the health system, where if you have a patient, you're not sure what's going on and they're worried about something, but they, you will classify them as the worried well, because they're actually, <laughs> you say they're well, but they're, they're the worried well. well. So people will write it in their notes as physicians, or they'll talk about it when the yeah, he was a worried well patient, or that's a worried well kind of patient. And it just dawned on me how dismissive that is. Yeah. And yeah. how wrong that is. And almost like that extension of how arrogant we are as physicians to, to label someone that's presenting to you with a symptom that they're worried about, and then you telling them and dismissing them, saying, No, you're well, and then afterwards saying just worried well. What it really shows is a lack of yeah. understanding from the well, physician exactly. side, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And it's a plaster over the crack. The crack mm-hmm. is there. The crack is obvious. You know, the healthcare system is broken yeah. in many ways, right? The more we skirt about it, we should be challenging our physicians in many ways to look outside of the box, to look at nutrition, mm-hmm. to look at the studies that are out there, you know, that show massive improvement in women's health by using nutritional strategies or supplementation. Mm-hmm. And that's what part of our big mission is to show that data and evidence and help change the mind of the healthcare system around yeah. this. And it's such um, an exciting uh, space because you're benefiting your body in so many different ways of doing this. You're also reconnecting with your body in terms of trusting yourself that when you feel like mm, something's off, that actually your body's telling you something, right? Instead of that dismissive, as you were saying, worried yeah, well I mean, person. We, yeah. yeah, we are, this body is a power plant of energy production. Mm-hmm. It produces energy on a daily basis, takes food, makes fuel. You know, it's constantly regenerating, it's adaptive, it's self-healing, you know, and let's treat it like what it is, you know, this beautiful yeah. vehicle that we've been given rather yeah. than dismissing it into, yeah. you know, just a bag of bones and a set of, organs you know the, and the disease that's going to take over right yeah exactly right, and optimize yeah. it and, and keep it healthy and functioning right give it the we right look to... after our cars more than we look after our bodies i know that's the joke right you have a sensor in a car that will tell you already in 100 kilometers you might have an issue go check it out and we go straight away whereas you know the human body it's like we'll become completely destroyed and then like oh actually you know i'm completely destroyed oh, then, now. then we'll replace your parts we'll put a bypass <laughs> after you go through major surgery and it might we'll work in my drugs. Yeah, exactly. All yeah, have yeah. like potential side effects, right? And this is, in a nutshell, I love the car analogy because people understand it. They understand the MOT to kind of keep the car roadworthy and stop it from breaking down any moment. And that's what the traditional health system is great to do. If your car's broken down, go there. And yeah. if it's about to break down, go there. However, if you want to identify how efficiently it can run, don't go there because they were just going to bring the hammers and saws out. I don't know. It's just that, you know, but they're, they're not equipped for that. You know, they don't yeah. have those tools. They will hopefully over time. But sure. you, know, you have to look outside of that traditional healthcare model to get to optimize your body. Yeah, which is why it's so amazing what you've built there and what you're doing so that it is possible to do that, right? And really pioneering the way. So thank you, Dr. E, for that. A couple of last quick questions before we wrap up. What's been your most exciting purchase in the last six to 12 months? I love specifics. My most exciting purchase in the last six to 12 months. I think my VO2 max machine. It's like, I call it the modern bleep test. Do you remember the bleep <laughs> test from school days where you check your kind of exercise capacity? Athletes use it in sports science a lot and sports physiology, but we want to apply it to everyday people. Understanding your physical capacity, endurance capacity. VO2 max is a marker of your lung capacity. 
and then I'll attach to that you can do your lactate threshold and things like that. So we've just started to introduce that to our team and to others. That's been my most interesting purchase. And it was by a company called PNOE that make it an American-based company that do portable VO2 max testing. So it doesn't need to be done in the lab anymore. It can be done in the clinic or on the sports field or in your gym with your trainer. That's my most interesting one. Oh, I love it. Very fun. For listeners interested in understanding more about biohacking and optimizing health better, what are some resources or books you recommend to start with? Okay, so I really like a book called Juvenescence, Mm -hmm. Investing in the Age of Longevity. I mean, if you read that, Mm-hmm. Um, by Al Jalabi and Jim Mellon. I like that book because for those people that are interested in what's the convergence of biohacking and longevity science, it's written a few years ago, but it summarizes it very well. Like, where does biotechnology fit? Where does gene therapy fit? It's written from the perspective of a biotechnology perspective rather mm-hmm. than a biohacking perspective, but it gives you that lens of perspective, which is quite interesting. Another book I really like is by Aka Hinsa. Uh, mm-hmm. who's rest in peace, who passed away now. He wrote a book called The Core. Mm-hmm. The um, Call, C-A-L-L? Core. Core, C-O-R-E, sorry. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he actually started a center called the Hintza Performance Center, which they do a coaching around basic principles of health, mm-hmm. as well as mindset. And you can see the evolution of that, where you apply a bit of kind of basic health coaching with mm-hmm. how to control your state. But he's worked with Formula One drivers, and some cool people. So that's a that's a really cool book and inspired me a bit as well. And where can people follow you, see what you're up to, social media, websites, anything particularly you'd like to share with people? Yes. So the best place is at human. And so that's at H-U-M-2-N. Mm-hmm. It's called human with the two in it to denote the upgraded version of yourself, the software upgrade. That's like the square, yeah, the exponential yeah. upgrade. So it's at right. and then H-U-M and then the number two. And mm-hmm. yeah. Um, there and then myself on Instagram at bydoctor.e, B-Y-D-R.e. I'm starting, I haven't started to use Twitter yet. I will start to use that at some point. So I'm mostly just on Instagram and then my mm-hmm. team on the human page. Our website is www.hum2n.com. And we have blogs and email, you know, EDMs that go out. We're building this education portal. So that's the best place to find it. We want this brand to help people, whether they're just coming to get education or they want a few supplements or they want to go all in. So it depends wherever you're at on your journey, you know, you can come and just learn, you know, that's the starting point. Just get inspired and learn. And have some fun doing it, right? (laughs) Yeah. Experiment a little bit and have some fun for sure. Yeah. I love it. Do you have any final ask or recommendation or parting thoughts for my audience? I would just say don't accept the norm. The mm-hmm. more we accept the norm, the more it will remain the norm. Like you're all part of this. Mm-hmm. Don't leave it to Claudia, myself, and all the other speakers. And you know, <laughs> you're all part of this. You yeah. know, having listened to this, mm-hmm. please take 30 minutes of your time. Start with five minutes and just write down a couple of things that you want to do. Mm-hmm. And a couple of thoughts that you want to try and then share that. At the minimum, share it with a friend or a loved one. You never Mm. know how these tools can help them at times of need because Mm. it's in the dark places that we will inevitably all face. This is part of life. It doesn't matter who you are. Part of life is to face your own personal dark places. These tools come in remarkably handy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Remarkably. These tools will help you bring yourself out a stronger version of yourself 
that's my ask for anyone that's managed to stay until the end because we spoke a lot and that's mostly my fault. <laughs> no, um, please don't accept the norm. Yeah, like you know, don't accept the norm of what's out there. Challenge your physician, challenge your healthcare practitioner, challenge yourself and the way you're thinking. Oh, I'm feeling tired. Why are you feeling tired? What did you do yesterday? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Look what's out there. Try it. Yeah. So that's what I would suggest. You know, be part of the wave. Mm-hmm. Don't let the wave pass you by and miss those opportunities to feel so great. Oh, such wise words. Thank you so much, Dr. E, for coming on. It was such a pleasure to have you. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Look forward to part two. Hi, everyone. This is Claudia again. Before you take off, thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. I hope you learned as many valuable insights on living better for longevity as I did. I'd love you to join our longevity tribe so we can learn and grow together, as well as hear your feedback. So please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review to let me know what you thought. Thanks so much and take care.